Good morning and thank you for tuning in to our Lord's Day message. I'm going to take our reading from the Old Testament from the book of Isaiah chapter 1 beginning at verse 10. Please follow along as I read aloud. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he-goats. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. How is the faithful city become an harlot? It was full of judgment. Righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Thy silver is become dross, thy wine is mixed with water. Thy princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loveth gifts and followeth after rewards. They judge not the fatherless, neither doth the cause of the widow come unto them. Therefore saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I will ease me of mine adversaries, and avenge me of mine enemies, and I will turn my hand upon thee, and purely purge away thy dross, and take away all thy tin, and I will restore thy judges as at the first, and thy counsellors as at the beginning. Afterward thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed with judgment, and her converts with righteousness. And the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together, and they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. For they shall be ashamed of the oaks which ye have desired, and ye shall be confounded for the gardens that ye have chosen. For ye shall be as an oak whose leaf fadeth, and as a garden that hath no water. And the strong shall be as tow, and the maker of it as a spark. And they shall both burn together, and none shall quench them. Amen. Our text for today's sermon is Isaiah chapter 1, verse 21. It's the prophet's lamentation for the moral and spiritual condition of the city of Jerusalem. How is the faithful city become an harlot? 
It was full of judgment. Righteousness lodged in it. But now, murderers. Isaiah describes Jerusalem as the faithful city. A city that had been faithful to God. Faithful to the covenant that God had made with Israel at Mount Sinai. Uh, Jerusalem had kept its vows. It had kept itself for the Lord. It had maintained a healthy relationship with the Lord. Perhaps Isaiah was thinking of what the city was like when David was king. Or Solomon. Or Jehoshaphat. Uh, Jerusalem served the Lord when these men were on the throne. Or perhaps he was thinking of one of the kings that he had known, King Uzziah. He had his faults, but his reign was characterised by peace and righteousness. Jerusalem was where the temple was. It was where the Lord dwelled with his people in a unique and special way. It was where the nation flocked each year to worship. It was the city from which the nation was governed. Jerusalem was the beating heart of Judah's spiritual, legal and economic life. It had been a faithful city, a city that loved and served the Lord, a light to the nations, but now it had fallen. And the prophet bewails that fall. How is the faithful city become an harlot? The Hebrew word translated harlot occurs 93 times in the Old Testament and it has slightly different shades of meaning depending on the context. Here, it's not referring to a woman who commits a single act of infidelity. Uh, This is not a moment of weakness. Uh, This is not a one-night stand. Uh, This is not a person who has committed adultery and is deeply remorseful and repentant. The picture is of a wife who is repeatedly unfaithful to her husband. Uh, She is uh, sleeping around and she doesn't care. Uh, She has broken her promises to her husband. Uh, She is behaving very wickedly. This was the city of Jerusalem. This was God's own people. They had not just become slack or indifferent. They had not just become lukewarm towards the service of the Lord. They were not like a wife who had simply grown cold towards her husband. No, this was a grievous turning away from the Lord. Shameful, bold rebellion. Isaiah goes on to describe what Jerusalem's harlotry looked like. And it was this that really caught my attention. The words of the prophet in the second half of verse 21 are so blunt. (laughs) Speaking of the city, it was full of judgment. Righteousness lodged in it. But now, murderers. The word judgment refers to justice. Jerusalem had been a city where justice flourished. And we can say that this was because the law of God had been faithfully administered. The king, the princes, the magistrates, the court officials, the elders had exercised their authority in accordance with the law. 
It's wonderful to live in a society like this, a society where there is justice, where those who break the law are punished, where property rights are protected, where disputes are settled fairly, where there is peace and safety. This was what the citizens of Jerusalem had enjoyed. It was as if righteousness had lived in the city. That's the metaphor Isaiah uses. Righteousness lodged in it. The city had been marked by righteous behaviour. Righteous business dealings, righteous relationships, righteous people. Uh, If we were thinking in 21st century terms, uh, there were no brothels, there were no abortion clinics, there wasn't the open celebration of drunkenness and sexual immorality, uh, there were no beggars in the street, uh, there wasn't a crisis of domestic violence and child abuse. abuse. Uh, The churches were full. Uh, Love of neighbour prevailed. Righteousness had lived in the city, but now, in stark contrast, it was murderers who had taken up residence, killers, perpetrators of violence. Now the reference may be to literal murderers, or it may be that this term is used to represent the very opposite of righteousness. Perhaps this category of person is mentioned to show just how far the city had fallen morally and spiritually. Murder is the most unjust thing that can happen to a person. A society that is characterised by murder is usually characterised by every other form of oppression. Jerusalem had become a terrible place, a wicked city, no longer a light to the nations. And Isaiah goes on to explain how it happened. But before we get to that, I want to say that it's not uncommon for the Old Testament to use the language of infidelity and harlotry to describe the spiritual condition of God's people when they were in rebellion. The figure of an adulterous wife is used in particular to illustrate Israel when it went after other gods. And that was certainly a big part of the problem in Isaiah's day. Uh, He prophesied during the reign of King Ahaz, and uh, Ahaz was a first-class idolater. This is what it says of him in 2 Kings chapter 16. Twenty years old was Ahaz when he began to reign, and reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem, and did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God, like David his father. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, yea, and made his son to pass through the fire, according to the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree." Ahaz and his court were guilty of spiritual adultery on a massive scale. But it's not the worship of false gods that Isaiah addressed in our text. It was a different kind of harlotry. In verse 22, Isaiah uses two more metaphors to describe how corrupt the city had become. Thy silver is become dross, thy wine is mixed with water. 
And then he said this, verse 23, here he puts his finger on the problem. This was both symptom and cause of the city's decline. Thy princes are rebellious, and companions of thieves. Every one loveth gifts, and followeth after rewards. They judge not the fatherless, neither doth the cause of the widow come unto them. The people at the top of the tree, the people with authority, the princes, they were rebellious, the prophet says. They didn't keep the law of God, and uh, rather than having thieves prosecuted and locked up, they kept company with them. They were out to lunch with the thieves. Isaiah tells us that they loved gifts and followed after rewards. This is a reference to bribery. The princes and the magistrates took bribes. If you paid up, they would decide the case in your favour. We've just had our Premier resign because she was named as a person of interest by the Independent Commission Against Corruption, uh, the body that investigates corrupt behaviour by those in authority, uh, our elected representatives, the public service and the judiciary. Now, if there had been an Independent Commission Against Corruption in Jerusalem, uh, the princes would have been in the headlines every day of the week. They were totally corrupt. And this led to terrible outcomes for those who were the most vulnerable. The verse says, They judge not the fatherless, neither doth the cause of the widow come unto them. The corruption of those in authority is something that Isaiah spoke against on several occasions. It was a real problem in Judah. Here are some other examples. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 14. The Lord will enter into judgment with the ancients of his people and the princes thereof. For ye have eaten up the vineyard. The spoil of the poor is in your houses. The princes had enriched themselves at the expense of the poor. They had used their position to feather their own nests. Chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine, and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward, and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Now this is a reference to men who perverted justice for money. For the right price they would declare the guilty to be not guilty. And vice versa. The, the person who was righteous, the person who was innocent, they would declare him guilty. Chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees, and that write grievousness which they have prescribed, to turn aside the needy from judgment, and to take away the right from the poor of my people, that widows may be their prey, and that they may rob the fatherless. This is a reference to people in authority who were taking advantage of the vulnerable, denying them their legal rights in order to en enrich themselves. Well, I won't go into detail this morning, but the law of God could not have been any clearer in its condemnation of this kind of behaviour. I'll share with you just two verses. 
Exodus chapter 23, verse 8, thou shalt take no gift. Hey, that is a bribe. For the gift or the bribe blindeth the wise and perverteth the words of the righteousness. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 19, thou shalt not rest judgment. That is, you're not to pervert justice. Thou shalt not respect persons, that is, show partiality, neither take a gift. Again, a bribe, for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. The civic leaders of the city of Jerusalem were doing exactly what God told them not to do. They were taking bribes. They were perverting justice. They were keeping company with thieves and they were not at all concerned for the orphans and the widows. They were not concerned with ensuring that the protections that God had put in the law for the most vulnerable were being observed. This is how the faithful city had become an harlot. This is what its infidelity looked like. And I want to dig a little bit deeper here. Notice what the prophet says about the princes in the middle of verse 23. He says, everyone loveth gifts. Now the princes weren't occasionally persuaded to take a bribe. It wasn't something they were uncomfortable doing. You you had to twist their arm, you, you had to force the money into their pocket. No, they loved it. The text goes on to say that they followed after rewards. In other words, they solicited bribes. They made it known that they were open for business. They told those who came to the court that for the right price they could get the ruling they wanted. This is revealing of their hearts, isn't it? Uh, To put it simply, they loved money. They loved the things that money could buy them and they wanted more. They were covetous. And this is what led them to be unfaithful to the Lord. The faithful city became a harlot because its leaders were greedy. Because their hearts were filled with an overweening desire for wealth and pleasure. And brothers and sisters, this is not something that was only a problem for God's ancient people. This is not something that was unique to the circumstances that existed under the old covenant. No, this is a problem for God's people today. This is very much a New Testament issue. This is something that can lead Christians to be unfaithful to the Lord. Our hearts can be filled with the same stuff, the same covetousness, the same greed, and it can lead us into grievous sin and great hurt. This is an issue the Apostle Paul addressed directly in his first letter to Timothy. And I think the conditions of the city of Jerusalem in Isaiah's day illustrates exactly what Paul was talking about. 1 Timothy chapter 6 Verses 6 to 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich 
fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The love of money, covetousness, greed is the root of all evil. We know that. We've heard that many times. But have you ever carefully considered the rest of the verse? Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. Paul knew Christians whose love for money and that which money can buy had caused them to wander away from the faith. The faith being the body of Christian doctrine and the way of life that doctrine prescribes. I think this tells us how powerful this desire can be. We would all confess that we love Jesus, that we want to follow Jesus. We would all say that we want to live the way that Jesus calls us to live. But this desire for money and possessions can weaken our resolve. It can undermine our commitment and direct our lives away from Jesus, away from the Christian life, away from church. I imagine that at one time in their lives, the princes in Isaiah's day confessed fidelity to the Lord. Uh, When they assumed their office, I imagine they resolved to faithfully administer the law, to be fair, to be honourable. But this love of money, their greed, got the better of them. It corrupted them. They erred from the faith. The Apostle Paul tells us where this leads. He says of those who wandered away from the faith that they pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Literally, they were impaled with many griefs. It didn't go well for them. Again, it sounds like the city of Jerusalem in Isaiah chapter 1, a city that became the abode of murderers, a city that ended up being filled with violence and oppression, and with that inevitably came much pain and great sorrow. It does not go well for us when we go after material things and wander away from the faith. I came across this paragraph in one of my commentaries. I thought it was very insightful. The author says, Greed has a way of causing people to look in directions that they might never have looked otherwise. Those pursuing riches push the edge of the envelope. They turn blind eyes away from ethical questions. They refuse to think things through. Many learn the price of everything only as they lose their values. And then if they become rich, they find themselves in circles where the rules are different and the peer pressure relentless. What was once unthinkable becomes natural. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts. That's what the Word of God says. Now, we might not have much money in the bank. We might have never owned a brand new car. We might not own the house in which we live. 
We might work a job that doesn't pay very much, but that doesn't mean our hearts are not susceptible to this problem. It doesn't mean that the the love of money can't lead us away from the faith. It can, and if we're not careful, it will. Now, we live in a world that encourages covetousness, that encourages us to want more and more and more. We're being told relentlessly that consumption is the key to happiness and satisfaction. And we can so easily believe the lie. We can start to imbue material things, money, gadgets, houses, holidays, with the ability to satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. And it's a deception. Material things cannot possibly do that. Only God can do that. True satisfaction, real joy comes as we live in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, as we follow him and depend upon him and have fellowship with him. And if you've been a Christian for a while, you've heard this many times and you know it's true. And maybe today, The Holy Spirit, through the preaching of his word, is putting his finger on your heart. You have fallen prey to covetousness. A desire for more money or for a better house or a better job or some other thing has taken you away from the Lord and maybe it has taken you into compromise and sin. You have been unfaithful like the city of Jerusalem was. If this is so, you need to repent today, right now. You need to repent before you pierce yourself through with many sorrows. Your covetous heart will take you further than you ever thought possible. You will do more harm to yourself and your loved ones than you ever thought you could do. For your sake, for your family's sake, for Jesus' sake, repent And root out that sin. Confess it to the Lord. Receive forgiveness and cleansing. And by his grace resolve to renew your mind. Resolve to renew the desires of your hearts. Start living for Jesus. And not for the things of this world. Maybe you're on the verge of wandering away. Uh, You can feel the pull of the world and what it has to offer. And you know if you go that way, it means you will wander away from the life that Jesus wants you to live. And perhaps you're starting to form justifications in your mind. Excuses as to why it's okay for you to leave off certain aspects of the Christian life and go after that money or that property or that possession. If this is you, then listen to God's word today. It will not go well for you if you wander away from the Lord. Whatever it is you think will satisfy you, it will not. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Stay close to Jesus. Keep on living for Jesus and he will fill your soul with joy. Isaiah lamented over the city of Jerusalem. I think he was heartbroken over what it had become. 
But his word of prophecy was not without hope. Maybe you noticed that when we read the text through to the end of chapter 1. The faithful city had become a harlot, but the Lord would intervene. He would deal with those wicked princes. He would purge away the unrighteousness and restore his people into a right relationship with him. Uh, Listen to verses 24 and 25. I will turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away thy dross and take away all thy tin. And I will restore thy judges as at the first and thy counsellors as at the beginning. Afterward thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. This is what our God is in the business of doing. He takes those who are rebellious, those who are full of iniquity, and he turns them right around. He changes them. He restores them. He makes them clean and beautiful. He is a God of grace. He makes the harlot city his faithful wife. He makes the wicked sinner a shining saint. He makes us part of his eternal family. This is our God. He has lavished his love and grace upon us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. So let us never, ever be drawn away from him by the things of this world. Amen.